are uh, in, I think, week five or six of this sermon series that we've been uh, investigating for the past few weeks, now called Power of Faith. So we've heard from different voices. Charles has spoke, I spoke, uh, Caroline. Uh, we've had some wonderful uh, voices speaking to us about the power of faith. How, what can faith really do in our life? What's the, what are the benefits that faith can bring? How can faith help us live, I like this phrase, Charles came up with it, like the wind is at our back moving us along through life. How do, how do we access all that good stuff? And so Sarah's going to continue today with this theme of power of faith, and her topic is power of faith to truly be ourselves. That's a good one. So without further ado, let's give a rousing welcome to Sarah. Aw, thanks. That's so nice. <laughs> it's so great to see you. I, I get such a kick now just looking at everybody's faces. I, I'm just so glad you're all here. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, oh, oh shoot. I, I was trying to be really cool and act like I knew how to do this, but uh, I guess I don't. Okay, well, well, that'll just be good as it is. All right. So, uh, you know, when I realized, okay, this is my week to share, and, and the theme is power of faith, how, how faith can really... Uh, empower us to give us a vibrant and meaningful life, I started thinking about what can I authentically share? What's my story? What have I really experienced in my faith that has just opened up life for me? And that's where this theme came, power of faith to truly be yourself. Because that has been my lifelong struggle. And sometimes, a lot of times, I found it hard to be myself, and it intensifies in religious settings, especially. Feeling like there's an expected way for a Jesus follower to express their faith or to pray or to spend their free time. There's an expected list of things a Jesus follower should love. And so I found that in interacting with others, I've found like I should edit myself because I'm feeling like I'm not spiritually correct. When John and I moved to New York City 10 years ago, this this year, to be a part of the River community, we came out in April in 2008 for a week to really check things out. You know, are we a good fit for the city? Are we a good fit to join the team here? And the team was trying to figure out if we were a good fit to be here. And after about a week, really checking things out, praying, talking to God, trying to get a sense, John said, you know, Sarah, I feel like we've been handcrafted for this moment, that all of our life experience has led us to this. But you know, as much as I was energized by the city and the church here, I kept thinking about the people who would be disappointed if we chose to move. And looking back, if the decision had been solely my own, I wouldn't have done it. 
I kept seeing the faces of John's family and our coworkers and our friends, and I couldn't imagine looking them in the eye and say, I'm choosing to move because it would disappoint them. And that really freaks me out because such great things have happened in our lives since we've moved here. And I would have missed out on that. And now here in, at the river and in the city, I'm finding the freedom to really be myself. And I wish I could say at age 53, ta-da, I've arrived. <laughs> but I'm still in process. I've come a long way, but I still have a way to go. I remember at an early staff meeting after we had moved here, we were talking about our theme for this community, life in all its fullness, and how to live that out within the community. And Charles asked me, Sarah, what brings you joy? Right away, I knew, dinner parties. But then I felt the need to edit myself. I mean, I'm on staff at a church. What brings me joy is praying and reading the Bible. <laughs> but I didn't edit myself. I said, what brings me joy is throwing dinner parties. And he said, great, let's make the river known for eating and drinking. <laughs> and it was so exciting to realize that the way that I can flourish and the way this community can flourish is by being authentic and as true to myself as I can. Trusting that God uses me who I am as I am. And that is the same for every person here. What the river community needs is exactly who you are. It doesn't require a life of vibrant life of faith or just vibrant life does not require you to become like Caroline or Charles or John or the Pope. Life and community flourishes when we bring our authentic self to the table without editing and add it to the mix. So as we explore power of faith to truly be ourselves, let's take a look at a passage, a story about Jesus that's found in the book of Luke. I want to make sure you can read this. Okay. Once when Jesus was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he ordered him to tell no one. Go, he said, and show yourself to the priest, and as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing for a testimony to them. But now, more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds gathered. Many crowds would gather to hear him and be, to be cured of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So let's think a little bit. Let's imagine a little bit about this passage. 
It starts with a leper approaching Jesus and asking to be healed. A man who didn't just have leprosy. He was covered in leprosy, a disfiguring, often fatal disease. The only way that it wouldn't spread to the whole community was for him to be quarantined, to be cut off from everyone around him. He comes to Jesus, and here we read that Jesus chose to heal him in a compassion in a kind, compassionate, and loving way. By touching someone who had been isolated and cut off from society. Not just giving the leper what he needed to be physically well, but what he needed to be emotionally whole. Can you imagine, put yourself in the leper's sandals, the flood of relief and affirmation that poor, isolated soul experienced when Jesus does the unthinkable. He reaches out and touches him in tenderness. What a powerful demonstration of love and kindness. I imagine him touching him and looking at him in his right directly in the eyes. I do choose. I see you. I care about you. Be well. Wow. So the word of Jesus and these loving, compassionate acts was spreading. People were getting so excited and crowds were coming to hear him speak and to be healed. They all came wanting something from Jesus. So verse 16 is kind of surprising. Instead of, so Jesus spoke to the crowds and healed everyone in need. It's, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Now this is surprising because in some ways, to me at least, it doesn't seem like a Jesus-y thing or a Jesus-y response to big need. For Jesus to say, okay, I know that many of you have traveled great distances. You have huge needs, but I'm fried. I, I need to go now. I need to spend some time with God. See you later. Knowing people would be angry. They would be disappointed. They would doubt who he really was. But it seems like Jesus was comfortable knowing his choices would have ramifications on other people. And it also seems like it was in the wilderness with God that that was the time that empowered him to continue to make choices that were true to his identity and his calling and his purpose. This wasn't the version of Jesus that I've been trained to be like. I was trained to be nice. 
I was trained to be a nice Christian. In my early years and throughout my growing up, it was drilled into me that Christians are nice. And there's four things that were really drilled into me about this niceness. One is indirect communication is nicer than asking for things. (laughs) You don't say, I'm hungry, I need to eat now. You say, wow, I'm feeling a little hungry. Oh, the taco kind of sounds good right now. (laughs) You don't say, please turn down the air conditioner. You say, oh, wow, it's a little chilly. I should have brought a sweater. I tried these ways of being nice to John and early in our relationship, and it drove him absolutely crazy. He could not figure me out. Another thing that was just drilled into me was a nice person doesn't go out of their way to not to, oh wait, a nice person goes out of their way to not inconvenience people. So if you're offered a snack in someone's house, you say, oh, No, that's okay. I'm not hungry, even if you're starving, because you don't want to inconvenience them. You don't want to give them extra work. And so there's this strange thing that goes on between nice people of false offers. Someone offers something, and to be nice in return, you decline the offer. Until you meet someone who's not nice and they take you up on your offer and then you get mad. That's a weird dynamic, isn't it? And another one is saying no to people is selfish. You're a Christian. Acknowledging your needs is selfish. You should think of other people. It doesn't matter how you feel because you're selfish and awful. So stuff that and just do the right thing. And then the other one that really got me was nice people don't disappoint people and they never make people angry. Some people are unfazed by the idea of letting people down. It doesn't bother them. But it was a big deal for me as a Christian kid trying to be nice. Now, Unfortunately, what happens is the result is the nicer the person you are, the more you lose yourself. It gets harder and harder to know when to say yes and how to say no because you lose touch with who you are. My Christian upbringing focused on my responsibility to be nice to the world people walking by me, people at McDonald's. I got to be nice to everyone. But ironically, being nice isn't something we're encouraged to be in the Bible. The word nice is not in the Bible. The fruit of the Spirit isn't love, joy, peace, and being nice. It's love, joy, peace, and kindness. Jesus was all about kindness, and he linked kindness with love. So even though we often exchange these two words, there's a great difference between nice and kind. Kindness is rooted in an abundance of love. 
It emerges from the compassionate essence of who we are. Niceness is rooted in lack and fear and emerges from our deepest insecurities. Niceness ignores the truth of who we are and kindness is the emergence of who we are. And being nice is one way that we give up healthy boundaries. You may not struggle with being nice like me. That's been my lifelong struggle. But the idea of healthy boundaries is big for all of us. Sometimes that, that is a struggle in the ability to say no to the things we should say no to. Or maybe it's an inability to say yes or to respect the boundaries of other people. But it's an issue for all of us. There's a book that has really helped me in honoring boundaries and setting boundaries so that I can truly be myself. Can you guess what it's called? It's called Boundaries, yeah. (laughs) And it's listed as a resource in the program. It's really impacted me, and I highly recommend it. As I read it, uh, every once in a while I'll come across something where I think, you know what, that's a little bit, just the wording is a little bit religious-y, and so I kind of skim over that. But the most of what is in the book is, is wonderful, and you may need to skim it just a bit. Or maybe not. But it's great, and I highly recommend it. Here's a quote from the book. Choices are the foundation on which boundaries are built. But our choices are not true choices unless we are aware of all of the aspects of our identity that go into them. Our feelings, attitudes, behaviors, wants, and thoughts. To own and make our own choices, we must be aware of all the aspects of ourselves that go into any decision. Authentic choices start by looking inward. That's not selfish. That's wise. And when I felt like I wasn't free to choose to move to New York because it would disappoint people. I was giving away my freedom of taking responsibility for my life. Paul speaks about this dynamic in 2 Corinthians. At at the end of his letter to the church in Corinth, he touches on some really key things some practical matters about uh, money and giving. And he encourages his followers who were wanting to follow Jesus to really pay attention to the heart of the matter, that why we're giving is crucially, crucially important. Here's what he says. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. That would be giving to be nice. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That's kindness. To say it another way, make a choice and give on purpose. 
whether it's giving of your time, your money, your emotional energy, given, give in a way that is authentic to who you are and what you have to give. Instead of giving because it's what you should do or the person you think you should be or to satisfy the needs of other people. God wants us to own our choices and as a result, realize who we are. Joshua in the Old Testament talks about this. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Make an honest choice and own it. But you need to choose because it's our choices that allow us to truly be ourselves. I want to read another quote from this great book, Boundaries. Few dynamics in life have more potential for wrecking people than this one. It ranks only, it ranks second only to isolation. If we do not feel like we have a choice, we feel we are out of control of our lives and we resent the ones we perceive as being in control of us. It is the opposite of freedom and the opposite of love. It's boundaries that help us cultivate a lifestyle of loving kindness. They help us to be honest about who we are and what we're able to give. They help us speak the truth in love growing in every way more like Christ, who is the head and body of the church. So I'd like to share with you some practical things that I've tried, that I'm still trying to truly be myself. And the first one is noticing when you're resentful. One of the first signs that our boundaries are blurry is a sense of resentment, frustration, and anger. And chatting with God and talking to him can help us notice what we're feeling and why. Instead of feeling horrible for what we're feeling and pushing it down. You know, there are times when God gives us grace to go beyond our means. Maybe it's for a specific set of time or a specific circumstance that something we can do something that we just normally couldn't do. But in my life, I've found that resentment lets me know when I've be, gone beyond my means without God's grace and I've blurred my boundaries. So notice when you're feeling resentful. Now, for some of us, we may need to practice saying baby knows. The baby knows are key. It's from baby knows that we start realizing who we are. And it helps us to do the big knows, like telling our mother no. Right? 
So if you have blurry boundaries, ask your life group if you can practice boundaries with them or some close friends. A supportive, loving relationship respects the no of both parties. Intimacy requires the ability to disagree and say no. So find people who will accept your no and love you for it. And as you do that, if you're like me, or and also if you're human, you will find that you may need to come to terms with feeling guilty. A lot of times, as crazy as it is, when we start building and drawing healthy boundaries, we're mean to ourselves, and our inner critic just beats us up. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have built the boundary. So you might feel some guilt when you start being very honest about what you can and cannot do. But it's worth it. Then for others of us, maybe we need to practice saying yes. If no easily rolls off your lips and it is your kind of, you know, kind of a very quick response, maybe you've overboundaried yourself. When we've overboundaried ourselves, we're not free to live life. And just like we lose ourselves when we don't have any at all, we can lose our life and our choices if we've overboundaried ourselves. So maybe you could pray and ask God to help you see opportunities where you can say yes. Then another thing we can do is to honor the boundaries of other people. Loving others' boundaries increases our capacity to genuinely care about people. Because we gain nothing by helping someone say no to us. That's genuine caring. So support the no of others, even if it costs you something. Honor the boundaries of others. And now, lastly, I wanted to touch on something that is really kind of the foundation for power of faith to truly be ourselves. And it's discover your wilderness. Where do you go? What do you do to connect with God? It seems like the wilderness was a spiritual place for Jesus. But that would be my hell, the wilderness. I walk in the city. That's my wilderness. What's your unique wilderness? Jesus' interaction with God in the wilderness empowered him to stay true to himself and his calling instead of being controlled by other people. You know, the power of faith is more, though, than us just following Jesus' example It's also the transformation that happens in our heart and in our mind and eventually our actions by interacting with the living God. So find your wilderness and go there as often as you can. Now, I think that a lot of us 
might have a misunderstanding, though, of what happens in the wilderness. We would like it to be a time where God tells us all the choices we should make and exactly what to do. I haven't found that to be true. Time with God in the wilderness is a time where God shows me who I truly am, where my soul is revealed, which allows me to make choices that are authentic to who I am. But it starts with finding your wilderness. So those are six things that I would like you to consider trying this coming week. Notice when you're feeling resentful. Practice baby knows. Practice saying yes. Honor the boundaries of others. And discover your wilderness. I'm going to pray for us right now. And then we're going to have a time of uh, silence so that you can interact with God right now. If one of those things is really standing out to you or if there's something else that just is causing a lot of thoughts going on in your mind right now, I'd like to ask you to interact with God and talk to him about what you're feeling and what you're noticing. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather as a community for the things that you're showing us about who you are and who we are. And God, in in these next few moments, I pray that we would feel connected to you, safe enough to come to you with what we're feeling and noticing, and that we would hear your perspective. God, thank you for your presence in in our lives, for your goodness to us. And I I pray you would continue us on the path of truly becoming ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.